Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? <laughs> Welcome to Relic Grind, where podcast grinds you. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. It's Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Welcome to the Relic Grind. Ready Check Radio's Final Fantasy 14 Square Enix podcast. Uh, we're doing the show live as we always do. Twitch.tv slash Ready Check Radio. You can actually head over to the website, readycheckradio.com. All the socials are in the upper right-hand corner. You know what to do. Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that fun stuff. All your podcast platforms. Give it a like. Thumbs up, subscribe, turn on the notifications, all that usual jazz. I'm Mike Byrne, your host, as always, joining me to go over all kinds of fun Square Enix stuff. <laughs> Mr. Chris Montoya, a.k.a. Tarkov. How are you, sir? Greetings, <laughs> programs. You never know what's going I, on in I pre-show. Love, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, the podcast where the Final Fantasy levels you up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It absolutely levels you up. We were uh, We got caught talking about the movie Armageddon which led to favorite lines from our favorite Russian in that movie. And, and now, <laughs> here we are. You'd be a hero, yeah. just like me. <laughs> yeah. Join us for pre and post show. It's always exciting. Also on the line, Mr. Paul Berlin, a.k.a. Flynn. What's up, boss? Yes, it is I, Flynn, Boris Lolite. Oh, my God. It's going to be <laughs> one of those days. <laughs> Yeah, excited for the show. Going out for the relic grind. We're done. (laughs) One of those days. Yeah. So we've got uh, we've got stuff to talk about. Last week gave everybody off. We had we had show notes. We were good to go, but we're kind of like sort of show notes. It's it's a little (laughs) light. You know, it's probably going to be like a maybe a forty minute show ish. We could kind of cram some things in there. Maybe draw things out for a minute or two. I was already off that Friday and Saturday from MMO Bombs podcast and from Gaming Gumbo on Saturdays here. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give the Relic Grind crew the, the day off, too. We'll just call it a week. Uh, and, and here we are. Here we are. So we brought a lot of that stuff back, including Square Enix financials. That was going to be like the bigger portion of, of stuff we had to sure. talk about because there wasn't a lot of 14 stuff. But we do have some more 14 stuff, even though we're in another kind of wait and see period as we wait for the next patch uh, which one of you added this first one was that you uh flynn it was me yeah what do you want to talk about here right so uh we realized in post show last week we forgot about one or two things that came up uh, during the fan fest and the live letter and we completely just brain farted on and the biggest one is the collaborative editor Yes, that thing's going to so, be awesome. Yeah, we great. talked about it after the show. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I said post show last time, but I hope to God it is not a repeat of the duty recorder. It's like oh, yeah, that would you be awful. Replan things that came out ten patches ago. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think but they, they, had, be I, they such an to, amazing tool. They had to have learned the lesson, right, on that one. We can hope. Sure, sure, you can hope. <laughs> But, you know, they'll start things out like they did with, you know, the the raid markers. You know, you only have two slots to save something. Um, and, and then once you get to another fight, sorry, you got to delete an, an old match that you, that you can only... There's only so much server space. They're not going to spare expense on that. So, yeah, but it's it a cool is, feature. It is I one of, like, the only well. MMOs in the world that has constantly just been like, yeah, server space. Yeah, server space. Yeah, server space. <laughs> like... Really? Because I don't really tend to hear that from many other MMOs. Out yeah. There. Like, and I get it. Like, your architecture was a little wonky, but you've started to relieve some of that technical debt over the years. And it's been 10 years now, gang. Like, let's kind of figure out server space because no doubt other MMOs have this problem, right? That was database sto- server space was a huge thing in World of Warcraft, leading, yeah. you know, to number squish and stuff like that. But we've already done that. We've already done that in Final Fantasy XIV. Look, uh, if they admit that they, okay, we, we got the server space thing fixed up, um, then they got to fix housing and just yeah. give us more housing. Yeah. And they don't want to do that. That's just that's just silly. It's still, ugh. Still one of the worst housing MMOs. Do you think reluctant to store MMOs. things client-side as well for certain things? 
Yeah, and but I can understand that to a certain degree. Yeah. I think sometimes they like get a little Linux silly. Storage. Check that client side. Give us two hundred slots. It's on our local side. You just pull it from us when we need it. Yeah, I mean, I get there's certain things that you absolutely don't even want to put them there and even give them a chance to be messed with. But yeah, I don't know. Limit the hacking opportunities. Remember when just our icons themselves. As far as oh, like yeah. putting floor markers or markers on things, those were limited. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't have enough for targets in some fights. You were like, uh, well, we can yeah, mark we had, we what, can four. Mark, we had A, B, C, D. Yeah, we could like mark three monsters or we could mark two monsters in two spots on the floor. Like, how do we want to divvy up these four markers? Yeah. <laughs> it shows how easy it is to learn fights now. So, we got eight way marks. Here's the exact eight permutations that we need for this fight. You chuck this back to ARR days, and you're like, uh, right, this is one important mark, it's another, we'll work out the rest. Remember how hard Demon Wall was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but of course, you also remember that, you know, they took advantage of that dungeon in particular, going uh, wall to wall, and then uh, hollowed ground, and everyone else would go in. And then the paladin would would die, and you just res them, and you didn't have to do any of the trash. So, but we've been messing with the mechanics of the game. So I understand their hesitancy on some parts, but um, at some points you could just you you got to give us a little something, little, little nuggets here and there. Hey, what would you see of from the uh, Asura trial while you were out at FanFest? That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was mostly my crew, and we brought in two tanks. Um, everyone got their job. Uh, the fight itself was uh, quite fun, but I have to say, when you get to eight Vuln stacks, you're like, well, where's the real danger? Like, I can get to eight Vuln stacks and still not be dead, like, kind of kind of ridiculous, but, um, yeah, it's a fun fight. Uh, you de- one of those fights where you have to do a different perspective, you know, got to look up at things going up, up above you and not necessarily at the floor or at the actual boss themselves, so... Uh, yeah, it was, it was good times. We one shot it. How do you think? So, how do you think it's going to be implemented? Uh, with the way things are laid out, I kind of expect uh, there's no, there was no story spoilers. It was just right, the right, fight. Right. Like they didn't show you anything, so, whether it was like Hildebrand yeah. related. I know some people think yeah. it might be that. It wasn't and, like the Yojimbo thing, right? But I do think it might be implemented uh, either into Hildebrand as a trial fight. Um, Asura's got, you know, multiple weapons. I could see Gilgamesh being fascinated and thinking that one of these weapons might be, you know, a, a, a great weapon that he might need. Um, I don't know how it fits into the story as it currently stands with Hildebrand. Um, I can't see because things are getting really weird. Yeah, things are weird with Hildebrand. So aliens and all that. Uh, so they also could shoehorn it in Asura being a god they could put it as maybe part of the 24 man like a like a trash boss like they did with proto ultima oh that'd be interesting what do you think flynn yeah uh, i know i talked to talk behind the scenes us after reason i put a note in it's like right uh, is there any like sort of secrets just you know because of the big secret being Jimmy turns into Greg halfway through the fight. So it's like, yeah. right, are they just going to do that? Because most people who 10 5s are pretty good at not revealing. But yeah, I... The, the only thing I'll say is that I'm pretty sure it is definitely going to be this expansion because the background and everything that went, when you were done um, was, was Thavnir. Um, so it's something... And it's not that they can't change the background, but it, it seems thematic to Thavnir and Razahan. Yeah, because if uh, during the Endwalker uh, fan fest stuff, a lot of us was thinking when we saw uh, Valis Party, it's like, oh, that's the sewer at the end. That's definitely going to be the fight we're going to have. That's what I thought too, yeah. yeah. So it could be a bonus story trial for all we know. We'll Maybe. see. We'll I would see. like it to go down the Odin route to have a little quest line just for itself. Oh, another thought? Maybe they just tone it down to a four-man because there's a new Criterion in 6.5, so. Mm-hmm. Criterion. I, I actually wouldn't like that. That would that would be really weird, I think, to run an eight-person trial at FanFest and then see it implemented in-game as a four-person. 
It was weird enough seeing they go from an eight man to a yeah. twenty four man for a Pro to Ultima. Right, right. Check this out. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen player, according to uh, Dexerto. Dexerto is it Dexerto? Dex, you know the site. Uh, <laughs> actually, was uh, posting on Reddit talking about, hey, uh, I actually quit smoking thanks to Final Fantasy XIV's mentor, Roulette. And they quit for a mm. year. Now yeah, how? They up drinking. Now how, I don't know, because the mentor, Roulette, would actually entice me to chain smoke. <laughs> that was my impression. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I said they, they quit smoking, but they picked up drinking because of mentor, Roulette. <laughs> Yeah, so 87 Gaming uh, posted on Reddit saying, hey, you know, I wanted to quit smoking, and so I kind of turned to unlocking and spamming Mentor Roulette in Final Fantasy XIV, and that gave them kind of like a sense of progression to work for. They said it was perfect. I played a lot of fourteen and for a long time, so I'm intimately familiar with most of the content. But since it's been years since doing some of it, and since I didn't play during Stormblood, there was just enough variety to keep it from becoming dreadfully boring, at least for a while. Uh, now, a year later, they've been completely free of smoking and have completed nearly a thousand mentor roulettes. They rarely have cigarette cravings. That's resulted in a huge boost in their quality of life. I don't know if I'll ever finish yeah. those roulettes as I've slowed down considerably and get very little enjoyment out of them now most of the time, but I'll always be thankful for, th for, for them and, by extension, this game and this community. That's a, that's a neat little story, even if, like I said, that would actually cause me to chain smoke, I think. Yeah, it looks like it helped them control the uh, anxiety and stress triggers and stuff. That is one thing that they mentioned. Well, you get like this. the oral fixation with smoking too, right? So I bet yeah. like for the first yeah, couple yeah, yeah. of months, there was like just chewed pens all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Increased eating of food is, is another uh, obvious one. Yeah, that that's one. Smoking, so. Yeah, that's one that some people. Yeah, when I quit smoking, uh, I quit cold turkey, and for like two or three days, I just chewed the hell out of a couple of pens. <clears throat> Other than that, I was fine. I like didn't turn to like drinking or eating, so that was good. Uh, if you haven't played in a while, free login campaign is back. Uh, started last week, runs all the way to the end of the month. So as always, remember, you'll have to have previously purchased the game. You'll have to have a registered service account that must be inactive currently, and it must have been inactive for at least 90 days. And the Welcome Back campaign runs until August 34th for your free login period. Uh, 14th day. So, you know, we're, we're getting close. Right now, 14 is going to take you all the way to the end of the month anyway, so you're yeah. good. This uh, is an expanded free trials, uh, uh, return campaign even. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's usually what three days. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm what? disappointed in the marketing of this campaign, though. There's, there's, a, there's a definite lack of diversity. There's no Humes. You got no Elizin, no Rothgar. I mean, come on. Where's where's the diversity in showing all the races? Like, I mean, you got two Lollafells, and one of them's a frickin' frog. Come on. Yeah, that's a frog person. Correct yourself. It's not a race in the game. See, misrepresentation. <sighs> Newest girl asking, you know, we talked last uh, show about the free trial becoming expanded to uh, Storm through Stormblood with the launch of 7.0. Um, do you think, uh, Newest girl's asking, do you think that was that where that's where the end of the free trial has to be? Like, can they keep doing this and just yes. taking it out? Like the kind of like the EverQuest model, right? Where EverQuest one and two right now they're free to play, uh, so you don't have a sub. But setting that aside, uh, the software is always free up through like X number of the most recent of the twenty five expansions, and then like just just a few months ago, EverQuest and EverQuest two dropped a block of like three expansions into their free trial uh, or their free to play version. So even though it's not a trial, like. Final Fantasy fourteen isn't even really a trial either, right? You can you're playing yeah. through the main game and one expansion, soon to be two expansions. It's almost free to play uh, at that point. Besides the fact that you know you're limited, free on, to play with limitations. Yeah, you're limited on some like trade and chat and guilds, mm -hmm. and oddball stuff like that. But it, that is kind of like the free to play model, right? I mean, that is. 
how free to play yeah, I think those were. Each, yeah, I think each time we get an expansion, they're just they're going to add an expansion to the to the trial. Like, why not? Uh, especially when it gets the Shadowbringers, like that's going to be a huge moment. That's such a great expansion for that to go into their free trial is going to be excellent. I feel like you have to. Like, I, 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 I could definitely see mathematically, or, or I should say financially, why you might not want to go beyond Stormblood. Say, hey, look, we're giving you a base game and two expansions for free. Like, that's hundreds of hours. But you do, you do? So, like, at some point, yeah, the trial like, becomes... The trial will be the Hydaelyn Zodiac saga. The, the Scion's Hydaelyn saga, and that's it. Yeah. Because hmm. that'll yeah. be the selling point for the free trial is you get the first major story arc. It is a nice way for them to like. They've never built it as free to play, because then you like you dodge the headlines of like Final Fantasy fourteen going free to play. But it technically is right. Like when you think about it, if you've never played and you never bought any of the software, you were just booting it up for the first time. You can play the base game and soon two expansions instead of just one, totally for free with some chat and gill and trade and. Uh, limitations, typical free-to-play limitations, for as long as you want, forever. You just can't progress beyond a certain point. It, it is technically free-to-play. I'm sorry. <laughs> like It is. And, and since all the duty support that they're adding, like most of it can be done single-player. Yeah, you can just so... solo all of it. <laughs> <laughs> or take up a challenge and just, you yeah. know, do it solo another way. Yeah, it's weird that, though, like, the comeback campaign is only 14 days. Like, if you were beyond the free trial, like, if you had moved beyond it, I could see limiting it to 14 days. Like, hey, you're in Endwalker. You you get 14 days, bro. But, like, if somebody, like, bailed, bought the base software and then bailed for a little while and then came on back to one of these, why is it only 14 days? Like, that seems weird to me, right? Like, it should be 14 days if you're beyond heaven's word. Right? But then you're messing with the whole Final Fantasy 14 in 14 days. Like, don't mess with the marketing. Come on. <laughs> Buying the game with all the expansions cost what? Yeah, it's like 50 bucks. Uh, yeah. It's only the like most recent expansion. They, they kind of do what Elder Scrolls Online does. Like, if you buy the newest expansion, they kind of dump all the previous ones on you if you yeah. want to give them, like, 20 extra bucks or something. I don't know what the rate is right now, but we'll we'll see. Anyway, uh, how about this? Final Fantasy fourteen player has spent 240 hours trying to solo Realm Reborn, Tark. It's ridiculous. This guy is nuts. Absolutely ridiculous. What, what is going on here? Like, uh, does it really take that well, long? I mean... <laughs> The whole thing's I mean, built to be soloed it, now. It's built to be soloed except for trials, which have, you know, four-man trials, um, which you can't really escape. Uh, and then you got the MSQ dungeons. Um, there are certain mechanics that you need a pretty big health pool or be able to heal yourself, do enough damage. Um, one in particular that this guy ran into was uh, Gaius at the end of the uh, Praetorium dungeon. Um, and he just... he had to keep leveling and try to uh get his make his own gear that, that's another thing with this challenge he's like making his own gear he's not doing anything with vendors not doing anything with tombstones yeah he's kind of like, like taking the runescape <laughs> iron man model yeah, yeah. right like, like totally I was this guy a few months back i managed to randomly catch one of his youtube videos i completely forgot he existed and he released it well i saw the article like uh probably no show notes it's like Bloody hell, let's go. 30, 40 hours for the first boss of Castro Marinium. I just like, right, there's, there's some insane challenges in the world, and then there's this guy. <laughs> but yeah, 240 hours later, in terms of playtime. And to craft everything, so handed in scripts, he had to manually do it, gathering fish on timers. The run has been an incredible experience. There's so many tiny forgotten pieces of content I never knew about, like status potions that can only be used on mobs level 50 or below, mechanics in dungeons and trials that I had never seen. It really opened my eyes to how much I missed. I wouldn't say I regret any of the rules. If I didn't have the minimal NPC purchase, field crafts would have been easier to get. 
but really just comes down to time spent. You know, I'm pretty happy with what I have now. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I don't even think he can like over gear. He, he can he can over level, but he can't over gear because because of the story, the way it locks out the zones, you can't even get into Heaven's Ward zones. I don't think mm. so. Right. Yeah, this was no NPC support, no quest rewards, minimal NPC purchases was their way of making this challenging. Avoiding shops and quest handouts, I'm forced to make my own gear and really push the limit. Then after the first three dungeons were still too easy, I took on the level sync slash silence echo rule out of wild curiosity. I wanted to know if it could be done. And the answer is yes. And you too can do it for a mere 240 hours of your life. I was I mean, if you really note, plan it out, you could probably shave that down. But yeah, yeah, uh, he did uh, do a separate video where he admitted that uh, because he started last Marauder, he did have to purchase one NPC item. Yep, but he did work out if he started in Uldar or Gridania, he was able to do something. But before we move on, this guy also also did the not leaving the city level ninety. Challenge as well, which he had to do on Fisher. I like fishing, but not that much. (laughs) Hey, uh, so the creator tools that have been dumped into Fortnite a while ago, Mm -hmm. and obviously we haven't talked about that here because who cares, right? Uh, My son does. But (laughs) I'm going to bring it here because we got one. Singers uploaded a battle boss map to Fortnite August 9th. You can go play it now. It's very kind of like Necron Final Fantasy IX vibes to it. And it's very 14 in in the fight style itself with mechanics and telegraphs. And I mean it looks like, you know what? That could fit. That fit that could fit. Yeah. That's Omega Omega Prime Alpha version two. Yeah, Alpha version 2. <laughs> it's the Nomura remix. There's a lot of cool stuff in there, actually. Like, even if you're not a Fortnite fan, some of the, the, the like, odds and, odd games and things that people are creating in the Fortnite creator tool uh, are very, very impressive. Some of them are very, very impressive. I mean, this is stupid impressive. Uh, so there you go. If you're looking for a little yeah. 14-ish in your Fortnite, there you go. Uh, if you're looking for a gift, Tark, for any loved yeah. ones in your life, oh, 14 is going to be collaborating with a number of luxury department stores, uh, bracelet and jewelry manufacturers, uh, Enfant, Fred, Gobe, H. Tokyo, some others. Uh, there's a whole list of them. And we don't have all the products for sale or anything yet, but there, there was a press release and... Here's uh this is the the one we're looking at here is with the brand Fred, which this is gonna be featured at a pop-up store on the first floor between September twenty-seventh and October third. It's in Japan, so you'll you know. And it's gonna include the brand's popular Force 10 buckle and cable design. The buckle's in white gold, and the string will come in a special crystal color. Very cool, very pretty. Very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you could buy these for a loved one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, price of um, yeah, it's a small you know, whatever. Used it's three thousand three hundred and eighty-eight USD, four hundred ninety-three thousand nine hundred yen. It's freaking ridiculous. Four grand or thirty-four hundred dollars for what you uh, see on your screen there. Yep. Yeah, so only well, three turntables. <laughs> Jesus. Thirty-four hundred dollars. They really need people to buy this to keep the company afloat. You know, small indie company. Or you could pay for rent for three months. No, hold on. (laughs) Math. Or you could pay for just shy of 19 years of your Final Fantasy 14 sub. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Jesus. One or the other. You could get a very, very cool high-end luxury bracelet collaboration of Final Fantasy 14 for 3400 or you could use that 3400 to pay for almost the next two decades of your Final Fantasy 14 sub. Or or you could buy the next 48 Square Enix titles at 70 bucks a pop. So, you know, right. whatever's, you know whatever. what is most important to you. Whatever. Bracelet. Yeah, it looks nice, but 
bloody hell, they need to do some what do you What do you think of like merch like this? Like, obviously, I like seeing Square and Final Fantasy XIV collaborate with as many different things as possible, right? It gets the names and the products and all that stuff out there. That's great. Um, and you, you know, there may be fans of Fred uh, Jewelry that they have no idea what this is, but they think it's beautiful and they're willing to pay that just because that's what they pay when they buy other Fred jewelry. That's fine. But like, honestly, how many Final Fantasy 14 fans do you see like getting this, getting the guitar, you know, th those more high end luxury items? No, without, your streaming, without your streaming, like audience, without yeah, your streaming, without your streaming audience paying it for it for you. Yeah, I, I think the guitar is one thing like a musical instrument and being such a limited item like that and it's final fantasy well, like okay this like, is final it's fantasy awesome. and this it's going to be limited mm -hmm. freaking bracelet cloth bracelet right yeah just a little rope bracelet i'm sorry no this is stupid yeah it's ridiculous a bad tendency now to just create something and it sells for way more than it should like there's some Square Enix and Final Fantasy 14 merch directly that I'm like, yeah, that's overpriced. Yeah. Like I'm just I'm just telling you right now, Square, that's overpriced. You'll sell it probably, but that I wouldn't buy it off of you. That's overpriced. I certainly wouldn't buy this. Like I like the watches, but I was like I'm not paying that rate. Like I'm just not. Yeah. The I thought the watches yeah. were beautiful and I would have loved to have had one, not for the price. Yeah. I bought Pierce has one of them. Got his uh, birthday gift. That's that's super cool. Like, if somebody wants to give it to me for my birthday, I'm not gonna bitch, right? But <laughs> I think the best thing they've done for like price to worth value is Encyclopedia Eorzea. Yeah, that is worth the money. Well, yeah, yeah that and it's so yeah. expensive. It's not four grand because it's done in Italy, handmade in this one shop by an 80 year old man. <laughs> you know. I don't know. I, I like the collaborations, but I, I just worry that, and this is with any company, not just Square Enix, right? Any company that I like that has a game that I like that's doing collaborations, I'm like, cool. I, I would love Final Fantasy TCG to do more collaborations. I was all over that they put, mm. a, put a pack of Dawn of Heroes, the latest set that came out the day FanFest started. They put a pack in all of your goodie bags. That was awesome. Yeah. I was like, fantastic. Thank you. Like, And that's just internal collaboration. God. Like, external collaboration, I'm all for it. But I, I also worry, like, when I look at different collabs that I'm kind of just like, does that come across as, like, really being out of touch with your fan base? Like, maybe maybe most people don't care, right? You just look at this and go, that's ridiculous, I'm not buying it. But I kind of look at it and go, are you really in touch with your fan base when this is the collab you think is going to draw more players? I, I don't I don't know. Who cares? I'm not sure. Who cares? I kind of, I kind of agree with the call though. Like, I, I think this this game does maybe a little too much QVC, yeah. and you know, we, we make fun of the QVC yeah, portion of the reason we meme on it at this point. Um, yeah, they just, I, I, I like it. having some merch, but like, I, I think they just go a little bit overboard. <laughs> it was gross says I think they just take any deal. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we want this company. cool thing. It's going to cost five grand to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You gotta I remember, their 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 titles are not meeting expectations, so they gotta recoup somehow. Yeah, yeah but, but do you honestly think like Fred that was the one that? This. Do you honestly think Fred was the one that reached out and was like, "Hey, no, it, it, like, come on, like, how many of Fred's <laughs> clients does Fred like? They're like, you know what? We gotta tap into that Final Fantasy fourteen video gamer audience. Like, no, that's not the audience they were trying to tap into. <laughs> That's uh, that's name you ain't heard in a minute. Oh man, QV, we say that's that's the meme at the end of the live letters. Yeah. QVC. Yep. All right, let's talk about some other Square Enix news, including what would have been the bigger news for last week's show. Uh, and since it was like the only really big news, we were like, yeah, we're not gonna have a show. Uh, Square Enix's financial report. Ooh. Ooh. Square Enix has seen profits decline. Now, that's a weird one, right? So their sales of 16 were, quote, extremely strong initially, right? When they had like three and a half million copies. We'll come back to yeah. what they think of that now uh, after we get some of the stuff out. While their net sales have increased, 
their operating profit has decreased 79%. Now, this quarter that we're talking about, too, does include a little bit of Final Fantasy 16 sales, like the first three or four days or six days, some, some small time period like that. On the expense side, a lot of the Amort came due for Final Fantasy 16's development. It could not be pushed. So there's an awful lot of that in there while very little of the actual 16 revenue. So while sales are up, profits have dropped 79%. And during a uh, call to talk about these, 16 is likely to blame for much of this, citing slow adoption of the PS5. And they specifically said that Final Fantasy 16 Tark did not meet expectation. Well, okay, adjustment. They didn't put out the generic did not meet expectations. They said it did not meet the high end of their expectations, meaning if they forecasted three to five million units sold of something and it hit three, but it didn't hit five, then it failed to meet the high end of their expectations. And you know what? I'm not, I don't feel bad for you. Like, I just don't. You are the ones that opted to take that Sony money and make it PS5 exclusive for whatever time period it will end up being exclusive to the PS5 for, whether that's the end of the year just to get onto PC or however long it takes to get over to Xbox. You opted to take that Sony money. That was your choice. Yes. That was your choice. Knowing that we had COVID, we had production shortages in chips, we had product shortage availability. Like you knew all of these things years ago, early in development of 16. You still opted to take that money. I don't feel sorry for you here. I just don't. And that sucks to say for a company I love. Yeah. yeah. But you kind of deserved this then. They do seem out of touch with it. Now, we've talked about it a lot. Even before I was on the show, you guys talked about it yeah. a bunch. And like, he, they're going from this to going, yeah, we're not doing our smaller titles as much. We're going to go more into the AAA. Well, if you're already running a reduced operating budget. Yeah, and again, this report's a little skewed, right? Because their operating income is getting hammered by the development cost of 16, while the report only shows a very small portion of the inbound revenue from sales of 16. So yeah. it, it's a little, you got to take take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because there's huge expenses, high sales, but you don't see that revenue yet. So it might be better long term to look at a six-month report or even the annual report when it yes. comes out at the end of the yes. year. But this did, uh, Tark, cause a ripple effect. They lost double-digit percentage points on their stocks. Uh, you know, I wonder if a lot of this is maybe based, based on the last regime of the previous CEO. Um, there haven't been a, a lot of decisions yet based from the new guy. He seems to be pretty energetic. Um, and I kind of get behind him because he seems yeah. to be so all in. And, is that going to right and, the ship? Have they already done it and this is just the tail end of things? Or I, do they I, need other changes I, in your opinion? I, I'm hoping that this is the writing of the ship. But when you have a small indie company, it might take a, a while to turn that ship around a la Titanic and avoid that iceberg. Um, they're going to have to take the a few hits for the next, you know, six months to a year. Uh, I know Rebirth, I, I bet they're they're hinging a lot of Rebirth on their uh, end of year financials. Yeah, and then, um, and so then of course, Dawn Trail in the summer of next year. Yeah, Dawn Trail. So, but beyond those two announcements, like, I don't know what else is coming out for this company. So, ew. you think Forspoken hurt them worse? Um, Forspoken mm-hmm. certainly didn't help. Yeah, I don't think it hurt them yeah. worse because even though it was a relatively uh, speaking an expensive game to make, uh, comparatively it is not uh, to nowhere near the budget of like sixteen was. Honestly, I think Square, and I've said this before, has a huge forecasting problem, a huge one. And whether that or not, Flynn, that gets better with new leadership. I hope it does. We can only hope because I've seen people saying, "Well, you should have sold it on the Xbox," and while I agree. You know, you should have just launched it on the PC, the PlayStation 5, and the Xbox. I don't think that solves the problem because I think Square's expectations would have been inflated 
with yes. those additional platforms. They went into, and we I'm making up this number, right? Let's say they went into, hey, Final Fantasy 16, we expect it to move between two and four million units. And therefore, at 70 bucks a pop, after shipping, and all the costs that are associated with getting the product to people, we're willing to spend X to develop that game so that we'll have Y as the leftover profits when we're all said and done. When you say a game failed to meet expectations, what that tells me is that you spent more money making it than you should have because your forecasting was off. What you needed to recoup and make profit, uh, you missed. When you do that once or twice, it happens. I've done it for work, right? It happens. Things happen that change the forecast and impact things. That happens. When you do it project after project after project after project, you have a forecasting problem. You are not forecasting the correct amount of how much you should spend to produce a product and then recoup those, those losses and gain a profit after the fact. And if this would have been a launch on the Xbox and the PC instead of two to four million, I feel like they still would have been off because they would have said five to seven million and came, came in at four and a half million or five million barely. You know, their forecasting has been broken for a long time. Adding Xbox and PC isn't the answer in a vacuum by itself. Right. They just can't forecast correctly what they're going. And maybe that's fixed now. I hope it is. I hope it is. Taking double-digit percentage stock price hits, even if it's short-term, is not good. It just isn't. No. And maybe next quarter, they'll rebound on that. But now for the next three months, they've got to survive on what they have knowing that they just took a stock hit too. Yeah. It doesn't help that they uh, uh, sunk all of the, uh, paid off all of the development costs outright as well, instead of doing the usual year over year, we pay off our development costs as the profits come in. Did hmm. they do that for 16? I don't. Yes. I found it uh, a couple of, a uh, while back, when we was looking for show notes, couldn't find the original tweet. I mean, I know they deferred a lot of them, but I thought yeah, that uh, the amortization came due in this report. Yeah, uh, MST financial senior analyst David Gibson says, yeah, they decided to uh, do a amortization yeah. of development cost. Yeah, and yeah. it came due this quarter. Yeah, and that's why I said you have Which to be a little. Such a big hit. Yeah, you have to be a little grain of salty on this one and take maybe that the the quarter they just reported and the next quarter when it comes out and put them together because that's going to be the, your amorted um, development costs and then the bulk of the sales revenue. Right now we have the costs and just a tiny piece of the sales revenue, but for them to already in this financial report when on the call say it failed to meet the high end of our expectations, oof. Oof. Yeah, big oof. And you know, that's why Yoshi P says, you know what? Things would be better if we just had one gaming platform. Yeah. Uh, mm, yes, but no. <sighs> On an appearance with the Taiwanese gaming channel translated by IGN, Naoki Yoshida lamented the fact that there are multiple platforms, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, PC, etc., Given Yoshida's penchant for making headline-worthy comments, Push Square thought that Square Enix veteran was being a bit cheeky here, maybe, but it's still an interesting point. He says, game platforms, I probably shouldn't say this, but I wish there was only one. He did say this with a slight grin, so maybe a little tongue-in-cheek, right? It would be better for He's both the job. developers and the players. What do you think, Tark? I mean, one I console. I mean, I, I understand him as a as a gamer, as a developer. I understand it, but from a forging ahead, like competition breeds uh, innovations. Um, if we only have one console, if it was just Sony, you know, we have PS3 and then PS3 Plus. Oh, the new PS4. Oh, it's just got a little bit more memory. You're not going to get that innovations Xbox. And Sony have really pushed each up, pushed each other to really innovate and put the, the best foot forward uh, as far as their consoles each generation. So, um, why I agree from him from 
perspective he's coming at. Yeah, a very theoretical big picture. Hey, I'd like to yeah, just make picture, things for one console, console and not have to worry about ports and additional costs yeah, and ab- absolutely. Yeah. And having a fraction of the audience to make sell the deals. thing to, right? Make, yeah, make deals, like, you know. Could you imagine just think back not though. Having a monopoly yeah, just think back. Can you imagine what console internet gaming would look like if the Xbox 360's Xbox Live never happened? Like so much of our online gaming, particularly on consoles mm-hmm. now, was like defined by that. And it didn't do well in certain regions, the Xbox 360, particularly Japan. Like it was not the best selling console like at, at uh, in its generation, right? It had competition with the PlayStation 2 and then the PlayStation 3 and like... But to your point, Tark, it innovated in different ways. You might have liked the PlayStation 3 better for whatever personal reason, <laughs> but PlayStation's network sucked and arguably yeah. still sucks to a great extent. Uh, still isn't great, you know, and getting hacked will do that to you too. But when, <laughs> if you don't have competition within the cons, then okay, when's the next PlayStation come out and they don't have to push any envelopes, right? Exactly. Uh, they could just worry about getting the money in with no innovation, just pushing the incrementals. Yeah, Takal knows what I'm talking about. He says, yeah, Microsoft needed a killer feature over the PS2, with le- which led to a big gaming moment. Just look. Hey, let's take a step back. Look at the PlayStation 2 and the Dreamcast, right? Dreamcast had its own oh, yeah, slew yeah. of issues, and we're not even going to go into like how you could pirate the games, and that was kind of like the death knell for that thing. <laughs> but and not even VMUs. Just look at, hey... We're going to put a DVD player in it. Boom. Had nothing to do with gaming. Nothing yeah. to do with gaming. But we're going to put a, a DVD player in the PlayStation 2. That was a Yeah, PS2 and PS3 huge. did the same thing. Awesome. Cheapest Blu-ray player and DVD player yeah, on the market. That was a huge selling point over the Sega Dreamcast that had a better price point and a bigger stable of games at the time because it did release early. And, but you know what? This is my all-in-one now. That was huge for an era where... Not everybody had DVD players yet. That was huge. Yeah. If you only have one company doing those types of things, you don't think about those types of things. You don't need to. How do I make you buy my PlayStation versus X? Well, there is no X, so you're just going to buy my PlayStation. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's like the iPhones. Like, hey, iPhone 12. What's what? What's it got over the iPhone 11? Well, it's got a 12 on it. <laughs> The real newest girl. Newest girl says the real answer here is not to challenge Sony in a format war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah remember the HD discs versus yeah. Blu-ray, yeah, HD DVD yeah. versus Blu-ray. Yep. Versus I remember Blu-ray. that. Well, was that you say that, then look at UMD. Big deal. Unfortunately. Yeah, uh, UMD sucked. It kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, kind of sucked. <laughs> Mini discs and HD DVDs. Rip. <laughs> you had an HD DVD drive. You did did you actually have one for the um the Xbox? I did that Toshiba? Yeah. I think it was Toshiba uh, that did HD DVD. H- HD DVD. You did have the Xbox. Yeah, one. it was uh supported principally by Toshiba. Yeah. An obsolete high density optical disc format for storing data and playback of HD video. Supported principally by Toshiba. Envisioned to be the successor to the standard DVD format. It was not. It was not. It was. That was Blu-ray. It was not. Although, although they did lose VHS versus Betamax. <laughs> Betamax was Sony's format, wasn't it? If I'm not mistaken, chat. Somebody can re- correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure like, Betamax. A lot of people said, yeah. And a it lot was of people said that Betamax was the, was the, the higher quality. Format. Yeah, it was the superior yeah. format. However, you know. Beta with Sony, it was expensive, and yeah. really, you could tell you have a good technology when the porn industry adopts it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that I was, mean, that literally, was the death that was the death knell for Betamax. Even, even though it was a superior format, porn industry went VHS. It was easier and cheaper to work with, and they were able to mass distribute things. Remember laser discs? Uh, so, laser, Beta and the the Beta VHS thing was like slightly before me, but I'm just like. I, I like tech history, so I know about it. We had a VCR growing up, um, and beta wasn't really a thing anymore when I was growing up. Laser disc wasn't really a thing anymore, but my parents had one. Yeah, my parents had one, and maybe like a dozen movies on laser disc. 
your my your high school chemistry teacher brought in laser disc one day. I always thought they were so cool, like just like the prism effect yeah. you got off of them, and they were basically uh, UMDs without the plastic shell and the size of LPs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just these mammoth discs. You're like, that's cool. Uh, I remember being in school and. Uh, Are we off topic? I think we might. Yeah, be we're off topic. Rolling. I'll be fast. <laughs> but they still had a PC that had uh, a B floppy disk drive and see one of those. <laughs> VHS stored more. No, it didn't. That's not. That's not right. Betamax was uh, almost double the storage, if I remember right. Like the two and a half hours of VHS recording time if you did it on long play and it was like five hours on beta. Yeah. Video 45 records. Yep. Oh, anyway. The hell were we talking about? Yoshi uh, P being a cheeky chappy and yeah, technology bringing yeah, us yeah. into technology. the hypercube. Technology, yeah. Hey, have either of you guys been in Baldur's Gate? Speaking of just being off topic, no. I think we'll stay there. Uh, I hear that releases in September. I'm pretty sure, so... Pretty, pretty good from what I'm hearing. I haven't played it yet. I just didn't, I hey. haven't had the time. There's a little reference to 14 in Baldur's Gate 3. I know. It was nice. It was uh, nice one of the side like, missions, oh. A Smile Better Suits is the name of it. Yep. But hey, <laughs> turn-based RPGs don't really do well. Rush so we Greystone, we miss you! <laughs> Wow. Never forget. I go to his grave every once in a while. Flynn, you take the next one. I can't. <laughs> well, I did try to a second ago until you brought us to the gate of Boulder. I so we were just show notes. It's in the show notes. I know. It's only Microsoft. In my tab, I've got a cube of hyperness active. Oh, you're going to go backwards? Yeah. How could we not talk about this crazy contraption? Yeah, look at this nutty thing. Don't don't tell chat what this is for yet. Just give him a second to look at the image. We got a couple of... Just four, the image alone. Yeah, there we go. Four it's just game cubes, all wired to some stuff, wired to some stuff, wired to some stuff, wired to a thing. What the hell is that for? Oh... Yeah, newest girl nailed it. This has to be like the craziest uh, thing. Baron, I just, I'll just, I just look it up. Which held more, VHS <laughs> or beta? <laughs> oh my god! Hold on. Uh, Betamax had VHS tape beat by being a couple inches smaller. Well, that was the size of the tape itself. Uh, that's not what we want. Ah, the difference between VHS and Betamax. Capacity. Betamax tapes offer up to five hours of playtime, while VHS tapes in standard play mode offer up to 2.66 hours of recording time. However, there are some other considerations there because there are several types of VHS tapes like VHSC, SVHS, and SVHSC, which offer different capacities. In general, though, VHS tapes offer around two or three hours of playtime with longer recording time available in some circumstances. Oh, yeah, so this setup, this is exactly, yeah, go out and buy this if you want to play Crystal Chronicles with three friends the way you're supposed to play Crystal Chronicles with three, three friends, not the way the remake makes you do it. That's what yeah, this is. This is so nuts. Right, just the explanation of how they set this up is just stupid. It's so cool. It's so yeah, cool. I'm, they call I, it the Hypercube. Yeah. I was like reading through it and just like, yeah, my brain is fizzled trying to understand how this was set up properly. The Hypercube is a device cobbled together by the content creator pair behind Borkia Games, Steven Squit Squitary, apologies, uh, William Rankelor, alongside two of their friends. This enables four people remotely the ability to play Crystal Chronicles together the way we all experienced it way back when on the GameCube, and not you people that were stuck with the unfortunate remake. This is all you need to buy. Just <laughs> this, That's it. That's all you need. Yeah, a, a piece of Capcom. Even if it is unfortunate, just get the remake. <laughs> that's all you need. Video splitters, audio splitters. Just a few a few pieces of equipment. Yeah. <laughs> like just the explanation of what the was, controller. 
Confusion. Maybe, maybe I'm not understanding. What was so bad about the setup for the remake? Uh, the biggest thing is there was no shade progression. So every dungeon you did as a party had to be done as each player as host for all of you to get progression. Yeah, it was that's, that's it was not. really bad. It was really and bad. it missed some of the features that you got back in the day. So you used to play this multiplayer with a Game Boy Advance. Your screen on the Game Boy yeah, Advance yeah, yeah. would be a map, extra menus, and you lose all that as well. And it wasn't stable. Yeah, it, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't stable at all. Like I played this with a couple of buddies, like because it was still only one of us need to own a copy, and you can bring people in on the free version. Right, but bloody hell, try to get people to connect to you. We had to restart games, go back in another menus. It, it was freaking nightmare. Hey, what did what is this thing you put in here with Xbox? I didn't even see this in the Final Fantasy VII remake. Did you add this, Flynn, or was that you, Tar? Yes. So uh, Microsoft did uh, a post. A little oopsie. About, yeah, uh, okay. I'm trying to remember now what it's about. It, like. Brazilian. Uh, Brazilian Xbox. Fathers in video games, and it was a screenshot of Barrett from Seven Remake, which instantly went, Is Seven Remake coming to Xbox? And it, my God, went, No, no, we messed up. <laughs> we were just saying, Barrett's a cool dad. <laughs> That's it. Oops. The Oops. image was posted in error and removed as it included a title not available on Xbox, a Microsoft spokesperson said. Oops. Uh, hey, uh, if you, if you didn't get the one ring and sell it to, uh, Post Malone for 2.6 million from Magic the Gathering, I feel really bad for, for you. Um, but Magic the Gathering, we've known for a while now, uh, is planning to do crossovers with a number of IPs, and one of them is, in fact, Final Fantasy. Now, that was rumored, I think we talked about it on the show maybe like a year or so ago, Tark, as a rumor, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's now a thing officially announced. Officially, uh, in addition to like Fallout and Assassin's Creed, they're going to be doing. I can't wait to see the art. But there's a part of me as a yeah. Final Fantasy TCG player that's like, really, really. I, I just think it's great that yeah. we Final Fantasy is in a card game uh, of value. So this is great to see. You know, they should do something of their own, maybe. So, uh, Mike, are you open? I don't know how well my camera will show this. But you open it, it'll look sort of like that. You know what sucks is the art's going to be better. That's what sucks. Like, <laughs> the art's going to be better. And but, but it's kind of like, again, I love seeing Final Fantasy and other things. But I'm like, you have a card game that is designed to compete with this type of product and yeah you are not in the same league and anybody that says otherwise is being silly but you hope to be or, or you would think that you hope to be why are we doing a cross promotion with a primary competitor for your product without a reciprocal cross promotion like if they were doing that Flynn I'd be totally okay with it right we're gonna put some Final Fantasy stuff in Magic the Gathering because a year later Magic the Gathering is gonna do a cross promotion with us and funnel people back the other way but there's no way Wizards of the Coast is gonna do that no way like you would never funnel people to your competitive card game even if it's not a primary competitor because it's too small but small what indie if? But what if the other side of this collaboration is Wizard of the Coast working on the FFTCG digital platform? Oh, I mean, whose leg do I got to hump? Like, let's get this uh, thing done. Yeah, let's yeah. <laughs> let's let's get this done. That's it's not absolutely that's, this. That's but again, no, it's, not, it's, no, it's you, copium to no, the extreme. You do know, no. yeah, it's yeah. it's copium this to the not extreme. Happen. It's copium to the extreme. I wonder because, if I should open my uh, my pack, my booster pack. <laughs> I thought you sent me a picture of it opened. Pierce opened his, so ah, I took it. Uh, well, open it live on stream. See if you pull something. Yeah, what do you fancy. get? Yeah, go for it. See what you get. All right, let's see. All we care about we're already is off the, the, the foil. The foil. If you're look, if you're looking at the face of the front card in the pack, we care about the foil and the card directly behind it. Everything else is just common and rare. Uh, all right. So, so the the foil and yep. what's behind it. Yep. Okay, so we got because the one behind the foil it rude. All right, nice, nice. That's a playable card right now, absolutely playable. And then the one behind it will be the hero or the legend. Number twenty-four. 
Nice. Nice. Kind of an average pack. Just a ho-hummer. Uh, Ooh, Luna Freya. She's a cutie. Anyways. Speaking <clears throat> of Crystal Chronicles, though. Hakatoshi uh, Kawazu has promised that someday there will be a brand new chapter. <laughs> well, that's by no means confirmation they're actually working on one or anything like that, but new trials do await those characters, ones from which they'll go stronger. Please trust that one day a brand new chapter will be added to their adventure. Switch two, let's go. <laughs> Switch two. Uh, and finally... Hey, this has nothing to do with Square Enix, but if you're just looking for something, I saw this and I was like, I'm bringing this to the show because it's my show. Uh, it's not Square Enix, but if you like Final Fantasy Tactics uh, and you know games like that, um, this might be one worth checking out, keeping an eye on, called Swords, uh, Sword of Convalaria. Very tactics and Fire Emblem uh, vibe. Yeah, Sea of Stars is out later this month, too, yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be PC, uh, via Steam, and mobile. And, like, it just screamed shades of Final Fantasy Tactics for me. And it is one of those... Well, even as Satoshi Sakimoto was... Uh, yeah, 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 for, for some of the score, yeah. Um, it is going to be free-to-play, so, you know, who knows what the monetization there is going to look like. PC, mobile, free-to-play, <laughs> RPG, but something to at least keep an eye on. Keep an eye on. Uh, let's head over and do our love it or leave it. <laughs> it's nice and old, but where's my actual FF Tactics remake? Yeah, you, you're telling me, brother. Uh, and, and nine, nine remake. Love it or leave it is the way we end every episode of the Relic Grind here. It's where I give you something Square Enix related. Could be a game, a feature in a game, something they've done or said in a press release, or something tangentially related. And I ask you whether you love it, want more of it, or leave it, never see it again. And gents, I got to ask you, honestly, do you love it or leave it, the future outlook for Square Enix as an individual company? Flynn, we'll start with you. I just don't know, man. <laughs> like a few weeks ago, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, everything looks hunky-dory-ish. But every yeah, it just... Keep on, yeah, it's selling well. It's not selling well. It's, uh, I don't bloody know what it's coming anymore. I want to leave it side for once. Tark, what do you got? I remember, I feel like it was a year ago we did this with Kronos. It was kind of a, you know, buy or sell. Uh, right now, uh, previously I was in a buy because of all the stuff they had planned. Um, at this point, though, with so few titles to really look forward to, like AAA titles like Rebirth, uh, Dawn Trail... Um, I'm probably going to have to sell. You did um, check out Ever Crisis, though. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, obviously, a smaller title, but it is mobile and a source of revenue. Title. Yeah, it's it's got. Um, I I don't know if you ever checked out Record Keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that was out and running, it's got that same kind of vibe. You know, small chapters, um, and then they play so around money with pit. the progression there. It is a money pit. Yeah, uh, very grindy. If you wanted to to be free to play. Um, but it's, you know, you get the whole story of Final Fantasy VII because they're doing all sorts of stuff with it. Um, and they're actually putting a story to First Soldier. Shocker. Um, but, it, I mean, it's okay. We'll see when that comes out next month um, in, like, three weeks, I think. Uh, but right now, I'm going to have to say uh, leave it. Um, their the prospects long-term do not look good, uh, other than the two titles I mentioned. Um, it, it I feel bad about it because I love this company and I wanted to see it do well, but... Um, uh, the chickens are coming home to roost basically is what, what's coming down right now I'm going to go with love it I think you buy the dip bro um, I think you mm. buy into the dip uh, it doesn't mean that I think like they're just going to be all hunky dory and everything's fine I still think they have some roadblocks they need to, to address some of which may have been addressed with recent leadership changes and we're just not seeing the fruits of those changes quite yet as far as the financial aspect of things uh, but yeah, I think you buy the dip on this one a little bit. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm going to give him a love it. I'm going to give it a love it. Chat, don't go anywhere after the stream here today. We've got Ms. Faye Death. What's up, Faye? Oh, hey. 
Oh, hey. Another day, another okay. dollar. <laughs> okay. another, another Square Enix dollar. How you been? How you been? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hanging in there. Hanging what? in there, you know. What existing, you, doing the things. What are you playing tonight? Your eyes look uh, better. I, I see you don't have your sunglasses. Thanks. Yes, it's definitely, thankfully, much better. Uh, got all cleared by the doctor as well. We're all good. Like, it never happened. Eyes are nice. really cool things. Um, and we must use those eyes because I have a lot of Pokemon to catch. Oh, uh, so. we going back into Violet? Yeah. Nice. Don't go anywhere, Is chat. Give us just a few minutes to take the stream down, relabel things, and then Faye will be back up and hanging out with the Pokemans. That's going to do it for this episode of The Relic Grind. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode, 7 p.m. Eastern. And of course, don't miss Gaming Gumbo, Saturday, 7 p.m., right here, twitch.tv slash readycheckradio. Until next time, Flynn, where can everybody find you? You can find me... Uh, usually uh, within Crisis or within Crisis Podcast, depending on what platform you are. A quick shout-out to my wife, because it is as of 59 minutes ago, our eight-year-old anniversary. Oh, Congratulations. congrats. Look at that. You've been mm -hmm. growing that beard since the day you were married. Nice job. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Dark. Uh, you can find me on Twitch or YouTube all at Tarkov Gaming, uh, playing Final Fantasy fourteen most days of the week. Uh, and then also here on Ready Check Radio uh, as we try to finish up Final Fantasy 15 on Saturday. That's going to do it for us. I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me right there at Magic Man 1, but more importantly, follow at RC Radio, R A I D E O, on Twitter, X, whatever. And you'll know every time we're going live with a podcast or stream, Final Fantasy trading card game. Yes, it has one. We're just hanging out. Stay safe. We'll see you on the servers. Later. Final Fantasy 9 remake. That's what I want. Yep. <laughs>